0: I'm going to give the people what they want. Sensation, horror, shock.
1: Well, you don't have to spit in my eye, do you? Now, let's do this a little faster. Yes,
2: that's it. Throw it away.
0: I want you to get naked so you can tell me the truth about my money. Have you ever heard anything so awful? To the cult movies podcast. My name is Anthony King. It is all about author and critic and historian Danny Perry and his cult movies books around this joint. Uh, so what will happen is we're going to discuss a movie from the first book, and then we're going to offer up some pairing recommendations with said movie. And joining me this week, um, since he was just here two weeks ago, uh, he's he's holding down the co-host chair. It's Dirk Marshall from VHS. Hi, Dirk.
1: That's right. The Irish Cleopatra's back on the podcast.
0: <laughs> uh, not talking about a Western this time. Are you? Are you thrilled?
1: I'm so thrilled. I really like this movie too. So I've lucked out in two yeah. picks. So I'm good, very-
0: good deal. Well, Dirk, I, I appreciate you hopping on. Now, both of you have saved my ass uh, because I completely spaced off scheduling a recording for this week. So um thank you both uh but the the all-star here the one that really jumped up uh and <laughs> saved my ass first is lexi van dyke hello lexi thank you for coming on hello thank you for having me i'm excited this is very exciting so okay we're all in a um a chat what do you call that thing what's the app Zoom? no the no, the where where we all talk oh, Discord. together Discord. <laughs> Thank you. I'm super hip. I know all the names of the things. Um. Oh God. And, and now, like every day, we wake up and there's a new social media thing in case Twitter collapses, and it's like it's I, yeah, there's be careful. no no way I can keep up. Uh, so so I won't keep up. Anyways, we're all in a uh, Discord together. So I had been absent for I don't know six months maybe, and then I. I came back on and opened it up and I was like, who are all these people? (laughs) And uh, so people were chatting. And so every time someone popped up, I'd screen, I would screenshot what that person said. And then I would text Matt Bledsoe and I'd say, who is this? (laughs) And so when it got to you, Lexi, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Okay, good. We're like, this is, uh, very exciting. We're in a chat together because all those other dudes—I don't know who they are. So, <laughs>
2: um,
0: you know, they're on everybody else's podcast. Um, so anyway,
2: I'm, I'm not enough. <laughs> uh,
0: so I'm very excited about this, uh, because we're talking about a movie near and dear to me. People had been spitballing this, uh, because nobody had really seen it when I would send the list out and say. You want to come on, here's the list of movies to choose from. And they'd say, ooh, this one sounds interesting. I've never seen it. And I thought, oh, please pick it, please pick it. But uh, it hasn't come till episode, I don't know, like 70-ish, I think is where we are. So uh, I'm excited about this. Lexi, can you introduce what it is we're talking about this week?
2: Sure. We are talking about Outrageous exclamation point directed by Richard Benner
0: we love a we love a, a title with punctuation oh mm-hmm. absolutely it's the best um <laughs> ha- have either of you had either of you seen outrageous before this episode
2: no I haven't I never no. even heard of this movie
0: cool dirk yes you I have. had seen it yeah i but i
1: it's because in the 90s when the kind of the indie boom thing happened and i was you know growing up in a small town in oregon and once i realized that there was like queer cinema or gay films or what it's i will preface this that we're talking about a, a genre that i grew up in the 80s and 90s so if i'm using dated terminology i apologize trust me i am a advocate and an ally 100 percent uh i'm just old and but so once <laughs> i realized that these there was these voices in film that were being um, portrayed and not like in a, in a joke way, people weren't just a punchline. Then I, I had to seek out things like this. And so once I found outrageous exclamation point, I was, uh I was super excited.
0: Fabulous. Um, Yeah. I think Dirk, you, you speak for all of us around here. There's, you know, we are all allies and uh, I love, love this year has been a big year for me discovering queer cinema uh cuz Criterion Channel had it's like every month they've added to their queer collection and shorts and stuff and it's so fascinating and and I've said it before about like period pieces and foreign films that these are great like educational tools for me I can't speak for anybody else but like the you know uh, uh showing worlds or eras um that i am not familiar with like these are i become a sponge when stuff like that happens and so you know watching queer films is so fascinating um and uh spoilers most of them are fucking great so uh lexi let me hear your uh initial reaction to seeing outrageous for the first time
2: well, I thought it was fantastic. It was just so funny. I was not really expecting it to be as humorous as it was. Like, I was laughing every five minutes, like, just quip, 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 quip. I know it was written by the director and the author of the short story it's based off of, um, but I feel like it was probably a lot of it was really ad-libbed. Like, uh, probably a majority of it was. Yeah. And I think it wasn't it wasn't just uh, the main character who is in drag. It's also his friend who we also learn about, Eliza, uh, who is schizophrenic. She's also very funny in a very unique way. Um, but yes, I think I i wish I had seen this sooner. As with you guys, as Dirk said, like I came from a small town and my first introduction to like, quote unquote, queer movies was in and out if you guys are aware of that movie at yeah. all. It's such a good movie. Yeah. Like some of it is very dated, but I just remember watching that with my grandma and I don't even know if she had any idea what was going on when she watched it. Um but I was just sort of being like, "Oh, okay, so these people are gay and this is what being gay is." Yeah. And I just that that movie will always stick out in my brain as like an introduction
1: into it even though it's
2: it's so weird that that's a mainstream movie, but um but yeah. No.
1: That's that like great. the uh, the American remake of Lacasia Fall, of the yeah. Birdcage. Like that, because that had the cast that it had, it played with my dad, who is from an era that I wouldn't say my dad's homophobic, but he's definitely come a long way from uh what his oh, generation yeah. you yeah. know. And so when he was watching that, like he was laughing at jokes that like the boys leapfrogging over each other on the balls, yes. Um and It was so weird to watch that with him and be like, oh, wow, like this comedy is breaking through. And so the movies like that and In and Out, they really, you know, served an important purpose, I think.
0: Absolutely. And Lacage is uh, also in the first book. And so we have that to look forward to, uh, I assume, next season, unless uh, one of the final two guests of this season pick it. But um, another great queer film. Lacage is so, so good. Um, also, the birdcage, uh, it's perfection. It's like a warm blanket. Um, I can say that. I
2: yeah.
0: I feel like every time I watch Outrageous, it becomes uh, thicker and thicker. First, it was like just a thin bed sheet. And then it was like, a, you know, I don't know, a, a little throw that you put on the back <laughs> of your couch. And like this time, it kind of had a, a quilty feel to <laughs> it. And I felt warm with it. And so I assume next time it's going to be the the weighted heated blanket. And I'm just going to wrap up, uh, which is perfect because uh, this is a Christmas movie. Yes. Uh, it ladies is. And gentlemen and friends. Yes. It's a Christmas movie. Um, and of course being Canadian, it's, it seems <laughs> like it's constantly snowing or cold. Uh, even if it were to take place in July, uh, it's <laughs> Canada. It's still snowing up there. Uh, so yeah. Lexi, you had mentioned this is based on uh, a story from Margaret Gibson Gilbord, who was Craig Russell's roommate. And Craig Mm -hmm. Russell is the star of the movie. And uh, so he and uh, Richard Brenner, I assume, were all friends. and So they, of course, make this into a movie. And it's the showcase for Russell. He is a a fabulous impersonator, um, spot on with some of his impersonations. His his barber Streisand is like breathtakingly perfect. I mean, it's perfection. He is so oh. the Streisand is so good.
2: As for me, someone was- who cannot Car- impersonate anyone, like I just think that that's so amazing.
1: I yes. was just like blown away the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, when he did Carol Channing, I was like, was this? <laughs> just made for me like this is amazing
0: right yeah so he is so funny that's the only thing there's like um uh he does sort of this live montage at the club in new york city where he does a several back to back to back to back and it it wanes a little bit for me but other than that i think uh craig russell as robin his character's name is robin is one of the most lovable characters in cinema I've ever seen. Do you guys agree with that?
2: Yeah, I would say so. I loved the introduction of the movie. It like really doesn't have to give you any background, and you immediately um, realize this connection between Robin and Liza. And I just love the first like 10 minutes of this movie where she shows up at his door, and he's like, come on in. I'll take care of you. And I just absolutely love that. And he is throughout the whole movie so warm and lovable and just like you just want to be friends with him. Like you're just like, I want to go to a drag bar and see him and talk to him and like have a martini with him. Like, it'd be great.
0: Yeah, he is so, you know, I mean, just even the way he looks when he's just sitting there and sort of pondering, you're like, gosh, this this human being would be just one of the warmest people you could ever come across. Uh, before we go any further, let me read a little thing from Danny here. Uh, it's this is this comes from the first paragraph of his essay, and he he really likes this film. He says, "Although a Canadian film, Outrageous had its world theatrical premiere at New York City Cinema Two, the same theater where 1977's Oscar-winning Rocky had done fantastic business. Everyone was surprised when the lines outside the theater grew to equal those for Rocky." And this spurred on several critics to compare the two films, seemingly so different in terms of their appeal to the movie audience of 1977. This comparison has validity, for the people who came to see Outrageous were not just gays, but also straight people who found Rocky uplifting and wanted other pictures to raise their spirits. And Rocky, and this is so funny, because when I was reading this, I was like, what the fuck, Rocky? And I like. <laughs> But it works. Absolutely. He ties this together. In Rocky, you have a guy who everyone, including himself, thinks a bum, but he is motivated to pull himself out of the lower depths and he becomes a somebody. It is the same in Outrageous, where two people at the bottom of the social register pick themselves up, move out of an oppressive city, and make the best of their potential. Both Rocky and Outrageous are success stories wherein the characters' successes are according to their own standards. We can relate to these characters' triumphs because we all have small personal goals and ambitions that only have meaning for us. And I am not ashamed to say when I read that, it was like, it hit me so hard. Nothing came out, but I, my eyes welled up, and I was like, oh, God, this is so true. True. So when i was re-watching it this morning i was just like oh, what a perfect way because i woke up before everybody else and came downstairs and i was like you know i had the whole place to myself and i could watch this movie and like just bask in its warmth uh even though it does get extremely dark later on but we'll get to that in a minute um so we're all fans of outrageous we can say yes absolutely oh yeah
1: 100 percent in fact when i got Uh, older when I was like 20 turning 21 there was what I grew my small town was also a college town connected to it so I once I got an apartment I was like okay I'm in the college town this is cool but it was like a Greek system college town so it was very not cool for me and (laughs) uh and there was one bar that was the gay bar and it, it was called Perry's and then it was called Pass the Pepper but that's where we would go because the other bars were like meat markets it was very mm-hmm. gross and awful and so people would see Caven in the gay bar and so we met drag queens and drag kings and the community there i was so shocked because i'm like this is like outrageous like because it this movie doesn't sh- portray him as a character sh- caricature mm-hmm. that's a hard word for me to say charcuterie is easy for me to say for some reason <laughs> um He's, he's, he's also not person.
0: portrayed as charcuterie in this. Place. Right. He's,
1: no, that's true. And, uh, and he, you know, when I was meeting drag queens and they were dropping the persona and just talking to you in the bar, I was like, this is so wonderful. Like, I can't believe this. And uh, so, so re watching this now, much, much older, I, it just took me back to all those times in my youth where I was like, I was loving those days. So, yeah, I love Outrageous.
0: Do you, Lexi, do you have uh, any sort of history, uh, you know, knowing? Uh, drag performers or hanging out, uh, in gay bars or anything?
2: Only in my dreams, really.
0: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> no, I am from a very small town, also. So this is like, like learning about gay people and being aware of them, like that all happened when I went to college in San Diego and got to go to like, g- the gay district, quote unquote, and sure. like, m- and meet more people who are, you know outside of being straight or on the, any kind of spectrum that they'd like. Um, but I think that the idea of drag, like, I love drag as an idea. It's just, like, so amazing. And I, as a person who's not a performer at all, I always feel, like, so, like, in awe of the people who can go up on a stage and perform like that. It's just, It's just such a unique talent that you either have it or you don't have it. Right. And the ability to be able to do
1: that
0: is so special. I 100% agree. I you know, I I am Dirk, did you want to say something? I'm sorry.
1: No. Uh yeah, sure. Uh last year we went to visit Sarah's brother and like so back in the day I used to have like a a lesbian dance group that we went around and danced in clubs and stuff together. It was very fun. They were like my my gang. And uh and so I I just had all this experience with like, we had gay friends and everything. Then we just got older and jobs and we, we just lost contact with our community. Uh, And, and so we would pine for it and Sarah and I would talk at length. And anyway, we were visiting your brother in New York last year and we just popped into a bar and someone was having a birthday party and they had hired a drag queen for the birthday party. And so she (laughs) came out and started performing and she's singing and she's coming up to us and everything. And I was like grinning ear to ear. I was so happy. And like after the performance, I was just, chatting them up and everything and now we follow each other on instagram and it's just like, it's like oh this is so great it can still happen you can still have these moments even though now our life is just work and kids right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i think yeah everybody just grows up and like time becomes uh very minimal right yeah yeah unoutrageous uh <laughs> yeah i you know i being in uh growing up in omaha it we had a a couple. Uh, really great gay bars that were open to minors, like eighteen, I think, um, because like they were the safe havens, right, for the for the queer kids, for the for yeah, the absolutely. outsiders, right, mm-hmm. the the people that felt like they have had been othered their mm-hmm. entire life, and so when you watch a movie like Outrageous and um, Robin finds um that club in new york city it's just like and of course the cab driver turned manager yes uh, is like tries to talk (laughs) him out of it he's like this is not the place this is a shithole nothing's gonna happen here like and this is a very you could tell it's a very independent movie because there's a lot of things that are glossed over a lot of uh jumps in time but all of a sudden like there's Tons of people in this bar, and like Robin feels so at home here, and it's so um, it's heartwarming to see something like that because, you know, I've I've had uh, queer friends my entire life, and just you know, especially you know in the '90s uh, when I was in high school and stuff, incredibly tough. Like these these people have have led uh, just very difficult lives because there's so much hatred out there and so when when a queer person finds their family and their safe space like you hold on they hold on to that for dear life right so movies like Outrageous or Lacage Cage or, or Birdcage or um I, I can't speak to In-N-Out I haven't seen In-N-Out since it came out whenever that was but You know, I think queer cinema is so important. And then you have this queer movie from 1977. And granted, you know, things were uh, progressing. Uh, Of course, not where we want uh, them to be. But in 1977, it's still, you know, sort of early on, right? Um, There's lots of gay bashing going on. Uh, It's still a very dangerous thing. And so here comes this film that becomes... As popular as Rocky, at least at this one movie theater in New York City, lines wrapped around the, the corner, right? Um, it, it's pretty remarkable. And then it like disappears. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't until I got Cult Movies and I started looking through the table of contents, I was like, outrageous, never heard of this movie. Mm-hmm. And it it's a shame. Because, I, you know, I think this is crucial watching for everybody.
2: Especially at where we're at right now and everything going on in the world. Especially, I mean, in the U.S. it's very intense right now. And the thing about this movie is it's literally the... the Everything about it is about building the community. And you see uh, Robin and Liza leaning against each other and the people who surround them. And they are... Pretty much all supportive of each other and they all work together and you see that they are the crux of this community and how they grow and I think that that's what's the most important thing about these movies is that you see these outcasts come together quote unquote outcasts I don't yeah. want to say it yeah. are but they feel like an outcast and they come together and they are able to build as you say a family and you see how they support each other and grow from there and I think that's and it's, and I think the the movie is so interesting because, as you said, it was made in 1977 or 1976. It was released 1977, and the the part the homophobia part is something you would probably still see today in some parts of the U.S. Yeah. Like where Robin's li- uh, oh, at yeah. the hair salon, and he's going to that like back and forth with his boss. His boss being like. Good thing you have a female roommate and I can tell people you're not gay. And that whole, you know, having a beard, having a beard. Right. Yeah. Um, It's something that probably people still go through today at this point. And it just resonates really. Still, everything is just very much the same, but
0: different. Yep. No, yeah. you're you're absolutely right. Go ahead, Dirk. Oh, I just
1: I think you're so right, Lexi, with the the outcast term because like everyone that's othered essentially is an outcast from what's acceptable as mainstream society and the the whole part where they I mean he's a hairdresser and they're like you gotta butch it up and play straight it's like I would think that one profession would be pretty
0: safe but okay um (laughs) but you would think like 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 are we thinking Warren Beatty and uh shampoo right yeah
1: yeah and and so when he goes to the drag club because he's like I, I can do this thing but I'm not going to do this thing but here I go and receives the first round of applause I just get I get goosebumps just now <laughs> but it gave me goosebumps because that idea of being accepted you're just so starved for it that when somebody you finally go to anyone and say look this is me and that person's like great I love you for who you are like oh my gosh it's huge I love it
0: yeah, you know the I, I love the message that unconditional love um, can come from the most unexpected places, right and and unconditional love uh, isn't necessarily found where you would think it would be found from parents or siblings or you know, family members, close friends, whatever, spouses sometimes, you know. Um, and I, I I do love that what struck me most upon this rewatch is that i think ultimately outrageous is a movie about identity mm-hmm. and and that's that's probably obvious hearing this but i think i don't know, I, I feel like i i've i've kind of been struggling with identity myself lately which is funny because you know i'm a 40 year old guy um straight white guy in the midwest and like what do i have like why struggle with identity but like it can it rears its 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 head in the most unexpected places right and so with a lot of these movies i've been watching lately and and stories i've been reading i've i'm i'm in the middle of reading war and peace and like uh 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 pierre from war and peace. Like that's his whole fucking storyline in 1500 pages. It's like, he's, he's going through this huge existential crisis. Right. So I'm like, Oh my God, I, I uh, relate to this Russian dude from the, (laughs) you know, 18th century. Anyways. Um, I also relate to Robin and, and to the schizophrenic Liza, you know, it's so, so here's, here's, um, The movie is about identity, and so we have Liza, who is recently released, escaped. Is she escaped? Is she released? It seems like it's a little bit of both. Okay, from like
2: she's like, I want to leave, and they're like, okay, well,
0: you know, yeah. At this
2: point, you're not a danger to yourself or anyone else, so you can go.
0: Yeah. The only thing is, don't get pregnant, right? Yeah. That's that's the only stipulation. So, like, so she's being told um who she has to be she can't be a mother and her mom is hounding her doctors everybody is telling her you need to be this person you can't be liza and then you have robin who is being told uh mostly by liza to be uh his true self but then i think it's so interesting Robin's true quote this is not a video podcast hello air quotes true self (laughs) is impersonating other people and maybe that is his true self I don't know Uh, at this point in his life that is his true self like he's able to express himself most fully uh, by impersonating these other women uh, and he's really fucking great at it. So, you know, why not? Uh, so I thought that was interesting. But then towards the end, no, at the very end, when they're in Robin's dressing room in New York City, Eliza has already, Robin's already gone and got her. And so this is the very end. Uh, we're going to be jumping around a lot here. But he <laughs> he has this beautiful monologue, again, like making me well up when I'm watching it this morning. And he says uh, a couple lines from him. he says, you'll never be normal. You're special and you can have a hell of a good time. There's only one thing. You're mad as a hatter, but (laughs) so am I. And so they seem to come to an understanding, Liza and Robin with themselves that, um, they're starting to, to grasp who they are, who they want to be. Um, and a little bit of crazy is going to be part of that, and so you know that's it's sort of refreshing, it's sort of uh, uh, relieving, almost where it's like, yes, I accept my like myself, warts and all, and so it's very, very beautiful. Uh, but identity, it was just like screaming at me the entire time this morning. This movie's about identity, and and of course I start writing things down. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god.
2: Well, the idea of identity is something that if you're growing as a human being, you're dealing with. If you're not growing as a human being, that's fine, but you're probably not going to be tackling these same issues that people who constantly want to evolve do right Um and I think that it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, like you struggle with who, who you are as a person, because we we have to deal with ourselves the most as people. Like that's what they say. Like, you have to love yourself before anyone else can love you, as a very common phrase. And I think that's the kind of the conclusion that they come to in this movie yeah. is that they learn to love themselves so that they can move on and keep and find other people in their lives who can love them. And they love each other also. They have each other as support through this whole everything they've been through,
0: yeah. Dirk, thoughts on identity? <laughs>
1: uh, I'm pro identity. <laughs> Good. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: No, I think that's that's so true. I think you know, identity's it's big in our house with my daughter, with
0: yeah, with kids, parents,
1: yeah, parents. You know, with our job, because then there's like how you're viewed. You have to deal with how you're viewed when you do things in a creative form. And, um, and people tell you, which is weird, because then that affects your identity. And so, you know, it's something that I always struggled with, because, as I said, growing up in that small town, it was hyper masculine and not being a hyper masculine person. I was like, well, who am I like, what, what am I just a failure at a base level of being male? Like, what is that? And then I went to high school and was called all the homophobic slurs you could and had chews spit on me and everything. And I was like, yeah, this is a resounding failure over here. This is not working out. <laughs> and it wasn't until I found the other people that didn't fit in a box, you know, and one of those people I met, Daniel, at uh, my high school, Daniel Wayne Peabody, shout out to Daniel Wayne Peabody. Daniel. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> he's awesome. Anyway, he and I had a free period together. And so we would put on the Priscilla queen of the desert soundtrack and we would dance on the, tables <laughs> in Hell the yes. theater and, and perform these little like songs just for each other. Uh, we, we did no work whatsoever, somehow passed the theater teacher, I guess just <laughs> liked us, but, um, but yeah, it's like each I can look back and see kind of who I was at different stages of things. And now I feel like I'm a patchwork quilt of all those different stages and experiences. Yes. And, um, and it's, luckily more balanced than it was at certain times and certainly not as self-destructive as it was back then but that's <laughs> partly because of how i feel reflected by my wife and daughter like that's
0: yeah sure yeah so i love I, what you said about
2: performance because that's so true and that also is you know such a big part of this movie and you know obviously uh robin performing as a drag queen but then also liza performing as a quote unquote normal human yeah. being yeah. that's her whole is that you see she's in the part where she meets with the nurse or the psychiatrist at the beginning and she's like i fool i was able to prove to them that i'm a normal human being like she keeps telling her friends that she was able to do this and 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 that's also like what what they how they perform themselves to other people is a very um is is throughout the entire movie as well
0: yeah i think you know what what was so resounding for me, you know, I think uh, social media is such a huge part of all of our lives. And and I don't know about anyone else, but I hate what social media has sort of uh, or what what I have become because of social media. It's become this addiction, I think, for for many of us. And then it's, you know, a uh, people always point to instagram like this isn't what you see on instagram isn't real life but it's not just it's it's not just instagram it's every single fucking thing it's podcasts it's websites it's blogs it's (laughs) youtube channels it's twitter it's facebook it's all of it it's hive it's freebase it's all the you know mastodon Mastodon. fuck what a terrible name Uh, for a social network it's your
2: social media corner Wow. Yeah. It um, <laughs> I feel the exact opposite. I love social media and I feel like I get to be myself on it as someone who is a mom and, you know, has to go to work and all this stuff. I love being able to express myself on there in sure. a way I don't have to like worry about. And I, and you know, community and all that stuff aside it's just really great to like have those people around you who also get movies etc all that stuff
0: right yeah and you know a lot of it is my own it's all you know in my head i am an addict right and i was gonna say it's so funny we just last week we celebrated uh one of the guys in one of my meetings just turned 80 and he celebrated 40 (laughs) years of sobriety and he constantly talks about how he's always overthinking and anxious and like um talking about his identity and i'm like oh great so this never ever goes away that's great to know thank you uh, no it never goes away yeah uh so you know i that's i've been sort of struggling with that when it comes to social media and then movie watching and how those two work together um uh so you know i luckily I, I i have a website that i write for and patrick lets me write whatever i want so i've been <laughs> able to sort of process thoughts in words and sort of puke them out onto the internet for people if they want to read it but uh, patrick's great about that he just lets you lets you do it right that's all and so you know i i just think it's so funny i don't know if it's a i'm not a big believer in coincidences anymore um you know being being sober and and being a part of Uh, a 12-step program. But it's like every single fucking movie I've watched for the past two weeks have has had something to do with identity. And to me, it's like, oh, that's what this movie is about. This movie is about this main character struggling with their identity. But it's not. I mean, outrageous, obviously, is (laughs) like we just recorded about Citizen Kane the other night. And I'm like, this movie is obviously about identity (laughs) Like, "Eh, a little bit, maybe. I was like, no, 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 it's it's all about identity.
2: But we look for those context cues. That's that's what it's all about. If we're going through it, like if we're sad, if we're happy, we see these sad or happy things to put it in basic levels. Yeah. But but I mean this this movie is very strongly about identity. Very strong. So it's a good
0: movie to pick. Yeah. Yeah, Whoever picked it, they're really cool laxie's so cool <laughs> just speaking straight into my heart apparently she she's like oh i'm gonna saw his head open and say oh look what he's struggling with her now uh can we talk about the incredibly dark turn this movie takes uh yeah towards sad. In in the third act um so up until this point the movie's pretty holly jolly really funny and then it, it gets really, really dark when Robin goes off to New York and leaves Liza uh, to sort of fend for herself. And and she stops taking her birth control, gets pregnant, and then everybody starts worrying about her. And, and the scene where she's pinned down on the bed and thrashing, it's very jarring. Dirk, yeah. does that have a place in this movie did it work for you does it seem out of place i don't think
1: so i actually remembered it going darker for some reason i i thought she died Um, me too yeah (laughs) so when i was revisiting it i was like okay this because i at some point you're having a really good time with the film and then it starts to go dark and you're like don't go oh no here we go this is where it's just gonna not feel good at the end and then you know i feel like they write the the plane and it ends in a place where I'm I'm really glad they have the because just like I said about not being charcuterie they uh <laughs> they <laughs> they have to have life experiences in the movie as real people and that's yeah. important especially in 1977 because the contrast you have is like what YMCA on 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 TV or something <laughs> like it's like right.
0: dancing
1: to entertain and this is like a lifestyle piece real people fleshed out yep. and so them having complications you still get this like rush to go check on her when this situation happens which is perfect um because it gets sets us up kind of for the ending so no I, I i totally think it's it's great do i do i wish it happened no of course i hope i wish that they have the best lives together with none of this <laughs> happening but right. it, it works in a dramatic setting i think
0: yeah agreed lexi your thoughts on on the darkness of it well, I think that we also see darkness
2: that happens to Robin in the fact that he goes through that um, kind of one night stand with that guy and then he kind of demands money from him oh, from yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah. I think that that is really dark also. But he like turns it around because he's always the performer. Right. And um, that is also something like I, I can't imagine going through that. That seems just like it would just shut me down as a human being, but he just plays it off so well. It's not the same as what happens to Liza, but you do see a hint of the darkness that happens with being, you know, a closeted gay man yeah. in the 70s. As well as what happens with his boss and him getting fired. It it's what happens with him is more subtle. What happens with her is like more of a a pin in the end of the movie in order to um have that interaction at the end. Her, yeah. Or at the in the dressing room.
1: yeah yeah i mean oh go ahead dirk oh i was just gonna say that like there's lots of tales unfortunately of of like people like gay men or i'm sure there's the same for for women but um where they're intimate with someone and then it was just out of novelty for the other person so then it's like "Ah, that awful feeling you know and it's there's a little bit of that in this in the sequence where he's he's like is anybody what does he say is anybody? Gay here or straight here? I forget what he says. But he's yeah,
0: like, it's straight. Yeah, Is yeah. Anybody yeah, straight? Yeah. yeah, right.
1: And he's just like, what? and then he leaves with the money, and you're just like, fuck, man. Like, it's so it. It's what I I got super obsessed with Derek Jarman in the '90s, and I still read all these books and stuff about his life because it's the idea of like, you you can't even love somebody like you're literally, literally hated for loving somebody,
0: and then T- tell me just, who tell tell me about Derek Jarman.
1: Oh, he he's a filmmaker so okay. he did like uh the angelic conversation and um i mean so many it's i i absolutely love him wittgenstein is one of my favorites edward ii um okay. yeah he he's absolutely wonderful his last movie blue is really interesting because due to aids he had lost uh sight and so it's just a blue screen in his own wow. words it's like beautiful it's, it's really great um the garden is another good one anyway uh just i would read about his life as an artist before making films and things and just riding on a train and seeing someone else and wondering oh, is that person into me or like because you could you could get beat up or murdered over just trying to find a connection with someone. right
2: yeah, yeah. It just has that's, such that's, a- by the whole s- symbolism and drag and what it represents and and how that became really um a necessary thing for you know people in the gay or lgbtq community and like you know the handkerchiefs and all that stuff that happened um yeah it's very
0: it's very powerful
1: yeah if you want to see darkness that cruising movie is terrible i I was just gonna say
0: outrageous is not cruising although i love both movies (laughs) um i want to recommend there's this book it's out of print, but you can still get it on Amazon for real cheap. I got this for like five bucks. It's called "Images in the Dark," uh, okay. written by Raymond Murray, and it's this encyclopedia of queer cinema. Very so cool. it's, I mean, it's like uh, it's sort of like all of Danny's books put together. A little bit of uh, the cult movies, a little bit cult stars, a little bit um, uh, the of uh, whatever. Brain fart. Don't edit this out. Cut it out. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Um, anyways, it is so fascinating. And when it came to uh, pairings, this is where I turned. Um, but it is, I, I highly recommend Images in the Dark, an encyclopedia of gay and lesbian film and video. And it's uh, from the 90s, I think. Um, 94. Uh, first printing 95 so uh out of print but like i said i got it for five bucks on amazon and i mean there's like almost 700 pages wow fantastic so um but yeah I, you know something about outrageous it just seems so genuine dirk you were saying like these are real people right mm-hmm. and and not to shit on uh, Friedkin or cruising, which I love. I like uh, Will William Friedkin as well. Um, but like that is so blown out of proportion. If you read, oh God, I can't remember his name. He was the kind of queer beat writer for the Village Voice, but he was uh, like started a war with Friedkin while they were filming. Uh, cruising. So he's the one that set up all the protests and everything. Fascinating. Um, anyways, I, I digress. Um, cruising is obviously, it, it's showing a glamorized side of, you know, th- that sort of meatpacking district in New York in the late 70s, early 80s. But it does not, those queer characters do not feel real at mm. all. Obviously, but you get a movie like Outrageous where it's like these are real fucking people. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, my favorite I, I think
2: tells their friend Perry who keeps wanting to dress up and drag as Karen Black characters. Yes. It's like the, one of the funniest things. Like I'm just like, uh, who's he gonna try and be now? I just was cracking up every time.
0: Yeah, it, that's another like storyline of identity in this movie. But yeah, yeah. It, you know, I, I think with. Um, uh what's his name uh craig russell like lexi you were saying at the top a lot of it does seem improvised or ad libbed and so i think these are like i'm sure this was craig russell being craig russell and it's it's yeah. so tragic he and richard brenner both passed away from AIDS in the early 90s the same year and so it's so so heartbreaking to think about that uh because uh while I don't know much about either it seemed like these were, you know, genuine people who uh, were sort of uh, maybe not hallmarks, but like they were—I don't know—good role models, basically. Like uh, tent
2: poles of their society. Tent poles,
0: thank you. Yes, tent poles yes. where people could yeah. look to and say, "Wow, look at these yeah. human beings being themselves, and I want to be like that." It, and yeah. you know what that's the great thing about cinema is that it, it still survives although outrageous does it have a dvd i don't know it's luckily it's streaming. i have no
2: idea i watched it on tubi i was like right. oh this is on tubi i yeah, can just watch it there yeah it's on
0: yeah, tubi it's on canopy. canopy uh yeah but i mean it should have a deluxe fucking blu-ray uh but people can see this and yeah. you know kind of get that inspiration and, and that warm feeling from it
2: i have a should i think this is such an amazing unique movie they should like show this before like rocky horror maybe more people yeah. will see it
0: yeah
1: okay <laughs> uh, did either of you watch two outrages
0: no did you no yeah and
1: so i mean it's all the same people and so i uh-huh. was did you ever watch something and you just want to love it so hard and you yeah. like don't let yourself not love it that's kind yeah. of how I felt with Two outrageous. It's a uh, because it's eleven years later, I think. and I don't know if it's the way that it's edited or shot, but it's um, because you can see Craig Russell like reacting to all this stuff, but it's not not cut. so yeah, it 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 just doesn't it's not as charismatic as sure. the performance, and I think it's all in how it's captured because I think he's still working wonders but it's sure. like i was just rooting for it the whole time
0: yeah oh that's a that's a robot that's what um i think images in the dark says it that it's not as it's not nearly as successful as well
2: people become aware of themselves once they see themselves on camera like this feels like something where they were just like in a corner of, like it's like almost like he was like there as like a <laughs> like a coat rack just like with the camera like right. with the something on him like hiding in the corner and you just caught this really happening in real time
0: right or 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 almost i kept thinking of romero and and his crew filming nigh the living dead where it's just like everybody were friends and just got yes. together and like let's see what we can do here yeah and i was make- just on a
2: podcast about this i i listened to the criterion about about in the commentary it was amazing to listen
0: to it yeah oh god there's so fun to listen to yeah all them together um yeah and, and it feels like that with outrageous where it's like obviously everybody is friends here um uh and they all know each other because they're from canada and all canadians know <laughs> each other of course and, and it and it's one of those movies that it just feels like everybody's having a good time yeah right and that's I, I think that's that might be some of the warmth that I get from watching it, because it's like you could tell it's just these are genuine performances. These are human beings just having a good time hanging out together. Um, oh, uh, we'll get to final thoughts here. I'm going to kick it off my final thought last <laughs> note here. Can we talk just for 60, 90 seconds about the lipstick tester? Where they're at the at the mall, oh, or the yes. department store, and they're at the the big mirror, and there's all yep. shades of lipsticks, and they're sticking their fingers in there, like scooping out some gloss and and sticking it back in. So obviously that was a normal thing yeah, back it was. then. Yeah,
2: like, I mean, like that even ha- happened in like the 90s. Oh, mm-hmm. That's
0: real gross. Yeah, I know.
2: Right? I that stuck out to me too as like a. Living in a post-COVID world where you're like very (laughs) hyper aware of hygiene in every single way, you're like, "Ew, that's so gross! Don't stick your fingers in there."
0: (laughs) I mean, I kept thinking, what if somebody, you know, had a they had to clean house, dig up in the nose, and then and then went down without thinking, just went down, and got some, of course, like wiped it, and then so the next person comes up and same shade, and then they get a nice juicy crusty booger in there. (laughs) it's like yeah,
2: oh it but I loved it I loved the way it looked though even though it was disgusting I love them in the mirror oh. I love mirror shots and how it looks and they're standing there and there and and all the little palettes with the lipstick in it yeah. are shaped lips too and it was just yeah. like so cool looking and it's it just I loved it and, and that was where he came up with second Karen Black character he was, gonna, he, was the, he was gonna be the front it was just like it just cracked me up
0: Love it. All right. Uh, Lexi, final thoughts on Outrageous?
2: I just... I think I'm so happy that I picked this movie and not Badlands because I feel like I would have been really depressed. (laughs) And I'm glad I got this happy movie to watch. I mean, the ending is sad, but generally it's very funny and just so, as you said, very warm and a Christmas movie. And Mm -hmm. like, it's just... I just can't wait to tell everyone I know about to watch this movie because it's so Yes.
0: And see, that's... You know, I... That's sort of my hope with um, I was just talking to Matt Bledsoe about this. We were texting back and forth and it's like I think that's why we do what we do on social media, podcasts, whatever YouTube channels like we talk about movies because we just want to spread the word. And then we get a movie like Outrageous on Letterboxd, which is not the the end all be all, but only (laughs) only 469 people have logged it, which is really low for Letterboxd interesting and so yeah like gosh let's sing the praises of outrageous loud and proud i will uh dirk final thoughts on outrageous oh yeah i also am super
1: glad that lexi picked this movie Um, (laughs) it just brought me back to a lot of things that really mean a lot to me a lot of friendships a lot of late nights a lot of conversations a lot of watching guys wash off their makeup where they'd drawn their eyebrows off so <laughs> on their head. And then I forget they didn't have eyebrows because they'd shaved them off and <laughs> <laughs> going to pennies <laughs> after drag shows. And it's like, I I just am so thankful that I found these places and these corners where I was able to feel safe and embraced by this community. And it wasn't about who you loved or whatever. It's just about welcoming people and being a part of a community. And so, yeah, it just like, it was a very uh, emotional rewatch for me. So, so thank you for um, Lexi and thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah. Good deal. Um, Oh, also
2: yes. If you have the ability, you should get the book drag by Simon Dunin. It's a great book, drag. Yeah, it's just called drag. I actually have it here. It's one of my favorite like um, oh, coffee sweet. table books. Okay, that's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It came out a few years ago. My mom got this for me, and it's like the pictures in it are amazing, and they do talk about movies and stuff in it. But I recommend that.
0: Nice. Very cool. Um, all right, let's move on to the second half of our program here where we are going to offer up a couple uh, pairing recommendations with Outrageous. Each of us will offer up a couple. so let's uh Lexi yes, let's start with you. Let's hear your first one.
2: My first one is really basic, but I think it 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 catches the themes of this movie really well. It's Romey and Michelle's high school reunion. Nice. It's not uh, re- quite about drag, but it is re- about people who are best friends and very unique best friends and them, you know, expressing themselves and learning to, you know, be, lean on each
0: other and be, you know, that whole thing. I still have never seen Romeo and Michelle.
2: Are you kidding me? I know. Seriously. Oh my God. Okay. Please watch this movie. It's so
0: good. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay. So. Every
2: okay, we're after
0: week- the podcast right now. You just go. Right, watch. and you go watch Romeo. Right, I know. I don't, when when I told my wife that, she's like, "What? Why are we together?" Um, oh my God. I'll, I'll tell you why. So this comes out ninety seven, uh-huh. and every weekend, our friend group, uh, we would go see whatever came out that weekend. And for some reason or another, I can't remember exactly when it came out, but I couldn't go that night. Uh. And so I missed my opportunity. In ninety seven, and time just got away from me.
2: <laughs> well, it's a great movie to watch on the TV. It's like something you'll just like. It's totally fine, just throw on, and it's funny and so great. And it's also about like people, like you know, using the art of performance and and clothes and all of that stuff. So I think
0: you would you would appreciate it. Fabulous, yeah. I God, why haven't I seen this? Uh, <laughs> Dirk, are you a fan of Romeo and Michelle?
1: You know, I haven't seen it since the nineties. Um, but I remember liking it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's one of those where you know. I think it seems like it's generally loved. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Universally. I. I mean, universally also loved.
2: Alan Cumming in it, who is a famous drag performer IRL.
0: Yeah. Just. Oh. God. What a. What a queer icon he is. Jesus. I
2: love him. I saw him do Bacchus in wow. London. And it was the most amazing thing I've
0: ever seen in my entire life. Wow. He's amazing.
2: Yeah. Oh, love him.
0: Yes. Uh, Dirk, to you, your first pairing recommendation with Outrageous?
1: Oh, God. Uh. Okay. Uh, I'm <laughs> going to go oof, so hard. Okay. Swan Song from 2021. Oh. Directed mm-hmm. by Todd Stevens, starring Udo Kier. Um, it's also about a hairdresser. And he is... Um, asked to do the hair for a woman who has passed away even though they were on the outs and so he walks um, there and the movie is also about the importance of the gay bar which is if you don't know they are kind of disappearing because of social media platforms and they're just not needed anymore some people say I feel like the safety and respite they provide is very important and I hope mm-hmm. that they stay as a community meeting point but um But that's sort of at the heart of this. And there's a drag sequence It's fantastic. I think it's Udo Kier's best performance, in my opinion. Um, It was in my top three, if not number one, last year. I cried like a baby. I absolutely love this movie. Um, So Swan Song from 2021. Have you seen it, Lexi? Yeah, I need to to see it. But I
2: remember seeing pictures from it. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to see this movie.
1: It's so great. It's so funny. And it's so just its heart's in the right spot. And, yeah, I can't recommend it enough.
0: Currently awesome. streaming on Hulu as of this recording, which is great awesome. to great to know. Um God, I mean who doesn't love Udo Kier, for God's sakes? I know. Um uh gosh guys, the the blood of those whores is still killing him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> had, that's Andy Warhol's Dracula, yeah. We had that in my dad's video store. He would—he did not have X-rated movies in our video store, but that one, someone had taken Sharpie and blacked out the X. So, <laughs> so I picked it up thinking, "Oh, Dracula," and I went. I mean, I watched it. I'm—I wasn't—I don't think double digits yet, and I saw him like vomiting the blood in the bathtub, and was just like, "What is happening?" Like it, it it's, probably um, made some damage in my brain. Yeah.
0: I—I sure. uh, I remember I—I I, I watched that in Frankenstein for the first time maybe last year or 2 years ago and I watched uh Flesh for Frankenstein first and of course uh Joe sandro's in there and I love I love little Joe um but like this period piece right like taking place in Bavaria or Germany or wherever it's supposed to be taking <laughs> place and like Joe's just like hey what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I cannot get into this. Of course I got into it cause it's fucking fabulous, but um, okay. So I'm going to go with a movie. Like I said, found from images in the dark <laughs> and it's a documentary from 1993 by a filmmaker called Lois Siegel. And it's called lip gloss. And Lip Gloss seems like Montreal's response to Paris is Burning mm. from 1990, 91. I can't remember which, which year it came out, but 90. ninety Paris is Burning, masterpiece. If you haven't seen wow. Paris is Burning, it is a fucking masterpiece. Um, that's a documentary about sort of the, the voguing scene in New York City uh, of the late 80s, and it is so uh, gripping and you fall in love with everybody they interview. So, uh, come across lip gloss and lip gloss is, it's not, you can watch it on YouTube. Um, and I highly recommend it cause it's only, it's only a little over an hour, but it's, it, it, um, it opens with this interview with this guy called, uh, what's his name? Armand Monroe. And he is, <laughs> Like, you would think, oh, this is a gay club owner. This is the guy that owns the gay club. And so he sort of uh, goes through the movie and introduces these different drag and trans performers in the Montreal area. Um, and some of these people are absolute legends. There are uh, people who uh, portrayed... There's, there's a person who portrayed the first um uh drag queen in hollywood they are from montreal uh there are like legendary people that i i had never heard of but then you see images from movies and you're like holy shit and it's like they're just drag performers in montreal and they book these you know hollywood gigs anyways um so we meet i don't know Maybe about a dozen different characters. Let's say ten ten different drag or trans characters. And they're all lovable. It's like it it's a bunch of uh it's a bunch of Craig Russells. And um just so fascinating. My favorite character in the whole documentary is this guy. You would swear he is gay as the day is long. <laughs> And then he talks about going shopping with his wife. And again, I don't know, Canada in the late 80s, early 90s, maybe there were different laws. I don't know. Uh, But he and his wife like to go shopping together. He shows them shopping together because they're the same size and they can share clothes. Uh, So like he'll pick out clothes for his costumes on stage uh, and then she'll wear them, you know, in the bedroom for him. Uh, stuff like that so it's so uh of course all these people are so flamboyant and they're all the best and you're like i want to be around these people all the time um and it really is a shame it's only a little over an hour because you're like i want another hour with all these people because they're so fabulous but uh it's called lip gloss from 1993 lois siegel find it on youtube highly recommended awesome uh let's go to lexi let's hear your second one okay so this is kind of controversial because the
2: main person in it kind of really sucks but i love this movie a lot um midnight in the garden of good and evil which has an amazing performance by the lady chablis which is like and i feel like a lot of people nowadays don't know her as a performer and as an artist and i think her her performance in that movie is just so amazing, and I just want more people to watch it. Even though you know Kevin Spacey sucks really hard, but it's also just a, a really interesting movie that had and it, it looks beautiful. And it's directed by Clint Eastwood, and it's just like very a very unique movie that we don't really get anymore. Like these mid mid level movies that you know are kind of um I don't know that have an interesting story and have interesting actors in them and
0: yeah yeah i i uh i saw this movie back in the 90s and then um i read the book maybe five or six years ago and i was like i want to adapt this uh into a musical because i think it would make a great musical oh
2: interesting yeah Um,
0: but during one of the warner archive sales maybe like three years ago i got it but it Still has. So you can't really. It. it still has. Let's do it. Let's do. It. I'm taking the plastic That's off right always now.
2: Always what happens though. I Vinnie know. Vinny always take gives me off. shit.
0: <laughs> I'm taking it off. There we go. It's
2: off. It's off. The plastic's off. So you have to watch. It doesn't. It
0: now. Yeah. Exactly right. And it doesn't mean I'm going to watch it tonight because it, yeah. it is what it's almost three hours long, right? But oh, what a fantastic okay. movie! Dirk, are you a fan
1: of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil? Yes. Not as a musical, but yeah.
0: what about if it was my musical
1: (laughs) Uh, i would watch it for sure not as a western though either Uh, (laughs) i saw this once because it isn't it set in like where's it set savannah
2: new orleans yeah or yeah savannah actually yeah yeah
1: so my when i first met sarah she was Obsessed with that era, yeah. That area. And so she she had me watch it because I was like, I've never been. And she's like, Oh my gosh, okay, you've got to watch this movie set there. So that's the only time I saw it. So that was twenty years ago. So
2: it just looks so, like there is no other movie that looks the way that movie looks. Yeah. Like it really sets a time and place. And as someone who's been obsessed with John Cusack my whole life, I had to see it. Probably too young to understand anything that's happening in the movie, but. It's so it's so amazing, and I just I just want more people to see it again. I I don't want to get lost in time. I guess. Yeah,
0: that you know that era of uh, Clint's directing. Yeah, know, of course, uh, Unforgiven is the big one, right? Um, yes. But something like A Perfect World, which I uh-huh. think is not talked about uh, very frequently. I think A Perfect World is so good, but like it's this unique period where he's telling. And I, I like Clint as an actor. I like Clint as a director. Um, I don't like all the all of his movies. Yeah. But, you know, he's got these handful of movies in the 90s where it's like, these are really interesting stories.
2: Yeah. He's putting a fingerprint, his own fingerprint on something. And he kind of becomes, you know, more monotonous as time goes on. But, like, the, those movies are very unique and, mm-hmm. you know... I hope more people check them out
0: yeah for sure yeah midnight in the garden of good and evil all right Dirk to you okay well
1: luckily you talked about Paris is burning because I had two different documentaries that I wanted to <laughs> uh, can't choose they're both very different but uh Paris and B- Paris is burning is great I'm glad you talked about that because that was the one that kind of kicked off like talk about getting a window into a world that you didn't know existed and then you're just I was like oh my gosh I love all of this yeah Um, So a little bit later, there was another documentary called Wigstock from 1995. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if you've seen Wigstock, but it's a huge outdoor festival of drag that happened in in 1995. It's got a great soundtrack, kind of like Priscilla, Queen of the Desert it's just got a ton of wild performances. There's lots of great interactions with like just people on the street. I believe it's in New York where it's like, you know, old, old ladies that are like, what are these men dressed in dresses? I don't understand. And, uh, <laughs> and like, there's a part where Lady Miss Kier, the vocalist from D. Light. Uh, oh, yes.
2: <laughs> she's like, I
1: learned how to perform from drag queens. Yeah. So oh, yeah. It's such a, mid 90s like I think it's pre will and grace you know yeah. Ellen come out like people forget about these this 90s time and uh for for a documentary that's so colorful and flamboyant like this to come out it's it was awesome I went and saw it in the little art house theater that we had and um you know I just kind of forgot about it until outrageous happened and then I was like oh wow I own Priscilla but I don't own wig stock so I got to fix that so
2: yeah, that cool. was a time when like the 70s kind of came back into fashion. And so all that stuff kind of came back into fashion again. It's yeah. very interesting.
0: Yeah, it was, it was the same period where Clint is making these interesting stories. And he's also like, I love gay people. <laughs> <laughs> That's something Clint East would, would never say. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of Wigstock, the movie, but I am so fucking fascinated. Uh, A few years ago, I was on a podcast and I, uh, I mean, they only did like five episodes and then they pooped out, but it was, um, they wanted me to come uh, over and record this episode because they were, they were drag performers and they wanted to sort of teach me about the way of drag and it was so interesting and so like we got into it and and then it it got into some weird stuff and they're like oh you've never done poppers before here do this and i was like oh. okay what what's what's happening after this okay <laughs> <laughs> and and now i'm in a 12 step program so that's that's how that story ends <laughs> uh yeah man you know drag performers i think we can learn well we creators can learn so much from them performers, because like talk about people who go out, they create their own makeup. uh, They a lot of times create their own personas, right? And then they go up and they uh, do their show, whether they're telling jokes or lip syncing, but like it's sort of uh, this autonomous thing, right? This, this being that this person is creating Look at RuPaul, for God's sake, yeah. like RuPaul is a cultural institution. And when you say RuPaul, I would assume 90 percent of the world would know who you're talking about. Um, and so that's pretty cool. And like, you know, of course, drag race is still a huge thing. And and now the Boulet brothers have their thing on Shutter. It's uh, pretty cool. Anyone watch the Boulay Brothers thing? I don't.
2: I don't. shudder, unfortunately. Okay. No.
0: It's not really my, like, all the horror makeup stuff, but. Anyways, Wigstock. Interesting. I got to check it out. Yeah. Thank you, Dirk. Um, yeah, and, okay.
1: And actually, since we talked about a book for a second, one of my favorite of the Derek Drummond books is At Your Own Risk. It's the third of memoirs. Um, yeah, that's a still from one of the love-
2: I love that cover. Yeah,
0: it's okay. gorgeous.
1: Uh, I mean, this is also a book podcast now, Anthony. Yeah, now yes. it's a podcast too. I have waited <laughs> literally my entire life for anyone to say, "Talk to me about Derek Jarman," because no one ever has. <laughs> so it really caught me off guard when you said that. i just stared at the seven books I have of his, and I was like, "Oh my god, here's <laughs> wow. me. Uh, I don't know what to say." So anyway, that's just I just wanted to go get it because I was like, I'm just.
0: i wish you have
2: to spread the word when you can yes
0: oh i mean god that's what it's all about okay we're gonna let me just add a bunch of derek jarman to my watch list i'm (laughs) biding some time right now
1: the early stuff that he does it's a lot of collage work but the thing that's interesting is it's like religious allegory retold through being a gay man that's not because you're not reflected in the religions at all right yeah you know by re re retaking those images and being like well, here's this. It's like, it's very, yeah. it was really powerful in the early days. And then once he had contracted AIDS, he became a huge AIDS advocate at a time when people didn't want to talk about it. Uh-huh. And at the same time, he was like, you know, making backdrop videos for the Smiths and Pet Shop Boys. And like, I'm such a fan. I have a VHS tape of all the Pet Shop Boy installations wow. that he did. <laughs> but wow. um but it's it's really cool. His life is really fascinating. So, and not a lot of people talk about him. He like came up uh, with uh, Tilda Swinton, and so
2: ah okay. And
1: one of my favorite stories while well, I'm taking this podcast over now. Sorry. Yes, uh, do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> is is they were driving along this this road along the the rocky shore, and there was a little cottage there. And Derek joked with the I think seventeen year old at the time, and 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 she said um. You should buy the house derek and he's like oh i don't know but he did and then as he was living there with aids he started a garden where they said nothing would grow in these rocks and so uh-huh. there's something about the juxtaposition of him creating life in a place that life couldn't exist meanwhile he's like dying from a disease yeah and just uh-huh. like, that kind of stuff like that's my you have sad Vember, and i have um, derek. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's so, so amazing i love people like that who like live
1: through and through in their
2: art like it's in every part of them i think that's so amazing i wish like i i you know i always wish i could do something like that and i just love people who do that that's amazing i'm so happy to know about this person now
0: yeah oh it's yeah it's so fascinating you know i i do every i don't know what it is about springtime but um i'll watch angels in america and the band played on and then um uh there's because I remember the AIDS quilt has had come. Uh, hi, we're not talking about pairing recommendations anymore. We're talking about <laughs> uh, we could talk about whatever. this is my podcast. For we're talking icons. about whatever the fuck. Yeah, For right. Yeah. Uh, the AIDS quilt had had come through Omaha in the early 90s. And I went yeah. and I got to see it. And it was just I mean, it was like the most sobering thing I've ever seen because it was, you know, it took up the entire floor of of our arena right yeah of this huge thousand square foot thing you know and uh it was so sobering and so i i i've always been fascinated sounds like such a morbid word but um i love reading listening to watching the stories of of people who had gone through the AIDS crisis in San Francisco in New York city. And uh, it, you know, it's, it is, it's very sad, but anyways, every spring well, I kind of get from. something where I, I watch a bunch of that. Yeah.
2: Stuff. It's something we all could all learn from exactly. it, the AIDS school even came to my tiny little town in like the middle of California. And it's so weird because the, it was the, the Catholic church was the only place that would accept them. And I always thought that was so interesting. Yeah. And it ended up being in the Catholic church.
0: Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's all good stuff. So anyways, Derek Jarman, Dirk, if, if anything, like that's, I think the main takeaway, honestly, from this, from this podcast, that's great. Thank you for yeah, telling Russell us about him. Derek Jarman. That's what you need to do. Um, okay. I got one more here and I'm going short film. So I watch a shitload of short films every year. Uh-huh. And uh, this came from, and it still is on the Criterion Channel. It's in one of their, uh, you know, queer collections. Uh, but it's called the One Hundred Boyfriends Mixtape from two thousand sixteen. <laughs> it's That's written, a great title. R- yeah, written by, directed by, starring a guy called Brontes Purnell, and it is. Uh, I mean, I like, tears streaming. I was laughing so hard. So he's on a phone call talking to somebody. And he kind of goes through... uh, He kind of recounts past lovers. Uh, He recounts uh, his drug use. He recounts how he stole a pair of Levi's. And uh, the best way to make them fit is to put them on and then sit in a bathtub for hours and let them kind of mold to your body and so the last shot you know is is a wide shot and it's him on the phone sitting in the bathtub in his levi's uh that's amazing. And it's it's only what is it eight minutes long oh, that's uh, great. black and white photography it is so good i love it so much um but i just uh <laughs> bear 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 with me here uh, I normally don't do drops on the show. Okay. And like, I never do sound clips, trailers or anything. Uh, Cause like I said, I don't edit shit, uh, <laughs> but I, um, I have to play this. <laughs> 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 so like the the whole eight minutes is is that that is fascinating wow. and it's you know it's obviously scripted but it's since it's performed by him the guy that wrote it you know he knows the material so well so it feels so natural It feels yeah. improvised it is very very funny anyways hundred yeah. boyfriends mixtape check it Love out it. um and that is the program friends. Uh, Lexi, thank you so much, one, for saving my ass. But now you're a part of the family. You get to come back. Yes. I, I would love for you to come back. This was such a great time. I would love to come back. This is great. This is so much fun. Good. Uh, and Dirk, I'm, <laughs> how lucky am I that I got to talk to you two weeks in a row?
1: I, I mean, I feel so lucky. This has been truly outrageous.
0: <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about ladders at all no we we didn't uh, Ryan didn't pop in and say hello Giek and then run away yeah none of the mishaps from the from the first time no this is so much fun you too I really appreciate your time Lexi where can people find you online
2: well everywhere because I'm everywhere now because Twitter <laughs> is selling. <laughs> But I am uh, at stunning gun 2Gs. You can find me there, Twitter, Hive. I'm not on Mastodon yet, but you know, maybe one day we'll see.
0: Uh, and Dirk, where can people find you online? Oh, yeah. So it's just VHUS
1: underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Um letterbox Dirk Marshall. I haven't been on there in forever. I'm so terrible at letterboxing. I don't know <laughs> why, but I'm just the worst. Uh so go ahead and find me there for absolutely nothing. Um <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty much the main ones, yeah.
0: Uh do you want to talk about your Patreon? Your new Patreon? Oh, gosh. Thank you. I am
1: also <laughs> terrible at that. So we now have a Patreon, so you go to patreon.com backslash probably VHS podcast, I'm imagining. And uh, you can <laughs> sign up there to help support the program. Um, we do have an artist that does original art for each episode, so that's um, costly, as is the editor, and it's just, it's hard to support everybody, and so any little amount can help us uh, be able to keep doing the podcast, which I would love to do. And so we're going to do some uh, content that that is there, but mostly it's, um, you can enter by by donating you'll enter into a monthly giveaway which is going to consist of actual things you can receive so (laughs) my wife's hot sauce company so there's hot sauces up there there'll be movies there'll be stickers buttons uh freeze-dried candy my daughter has a freeze-dried candy business uh so all kinds of fun things that people actually can receive in the mail so
0: (laughs) very very good uh you can find this show on twitter and instagram uh if such things exist by the time you listen to this at (laughs) cult movies pod uh you find me on twitter instagram and letterboxd at ak donnelly that's a-k-d-o-n-e-l-l-y and you can find us on patreon if you so choose uh weekly episodes things um it'll it'll have happened long long before this airs but uh as of this recording, Vinny and Chris and I last night just spent 90 minutes talking about movie dicks. Um, Actual peni on screen. I missed
2: that one. (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) My friends have a a podcast called,
1: called Solid Six Podcast, and they have a thing on their website where you can call in and leave a message that they'll play on on the episode. And so it's like you only have two minutes, but I went through and found every full frontal male scene that I could find in film and then worked it into a tight two minute block and called in and just was rattling off in a conversational way, like all of these different, you know, from pillow book to whatever. And uh, they were like, so I didn't even really know them yet. It's just something I did. (laughs) It worked out. We're friends now. I,
0: I had a years ago, I had a podcast where we had that, you know, Google phone number where people could call and leave the voicemail. And, um, I thought it was a good idea. And then we just got like the most random and also most obscene shit that had nothing to do with the show. And I was like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. Uh, So bless those shows that still do that. Um, all right. We are going to be back next week with more cult movies. Lexi and Dirk, thank you both so much for doing this. Thank you! It's awesome. Thank you so much.